All right, guys, welcome along to another episode of the Martin's World podcast. And guys, uh, before I get into introducing today's guest, I'd like to just remind you that uh, if you want to support the show and support the fight for cannabis legalization in Ireland, you can do so by signing up to the patreon.com or making a donation in the form of Bitcoin uh, through a link found on the website martinsworld.ie. Um, all of the funds will be used to establish a cannabis activist hub so we can bring together the cannabis community to not only socialise, but uh, to, to fight for cannabis legalization in Ireland as it's happening. Um, so guys, on with the guest. Uh, today's guest is Adrian Lynch, uh, who's also known as the Enlightened Lady Talker on Instagram. Um, Adrian Lynch suffers with fibromyalgia and uh, she uses medical cannabis to, to help treat the symptoms of that. Um, she's also a, a, a holistic nutrition and lifestyle coach and um, she also has certificates uh, for working with medical cannabis and CBD. Um, she's also a mother um, of a, a two-year-old, I believe she said. Um, so yeah, I, myself and Adrian have, uh, have a good old chat about cannabis and uh, cannabis medicines and uh, everything in between that there in relation to, to Ireland. So guys, sit back, blaze up and enjoy. Adrian, welcome along to Martin's World Podcast. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest. Um, I, I first read your story on the Green Lens blog, and uh, that's first when I became aware of your, yourself out there as, a, as another ally in this uh, campaign for cannabis legalization. So uh, well, welcome along to the show. Um, you're also doing some um, nutrition and lifestyle coaching as well. So uh, you certainly got a, a lot to, to add to this campaign. So um, if you want to add in a little bit more about yourself that I might have forgot. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, so like basically what I do with my online stuff um, is I'm really trying to normalize cannabis use. You know, I am a mother. I have a two year old daughter. Um, and I think as a mother, we're often you know, judged so harshly that we should behave this way, that way. And that's the only way it is to be a good mother. The reality is if I went and I was taking what the pharma were suggesting I take for my autoimmune, I would not be able to be a good mother. I wouldn't be able to function properly cannabis really allows me to do that um so I'm very very passionate about it I'm very passionate about normalizing it like when I see all my friends cheersing a glass of wine or they're like bragging of doing their shots online look at many Jaeger bombs whatever I can do and and I can't like blow clouds to my friends I'm not having that anymore so I was just like okay I'm here tonight I want to normalize this a little bit because mm -hmm. I don't want to feel like a criminal anymore because it's just it's absolute insanity to feel like a criminal for a plan. So, it is so yeah, and then I got into my nutrition and then we find out like how much nutrition and THC, CBD, how it all interacts. And, you know, our body is built to receive this in the same way it's built to receive nutrition and vitamins and all these different things. And, and sometimes we get a little bit out of whack or homeostasis goes out of whack. And that's where that wonderful cannabis plan comes in and brings us back to that. Well, so, that is probably one of the best things about it is uh, how it just brings things back into a kind of a, a balance, a center. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. it, it is, it definitely works with the, the, the body as well. Uh, it, it's shown through evidence uh, in, in science that uh, yeah. the receptors are most abundant actually in our kind of autoimmune system um, all yeah. throughout it. Um, so it's, uh, it's an incredibly important uh, system and uh, the way in which uh, the cannabinoids react with that uh, we still need to, to learn and understand because uh, with yourself, as you just talked about there, you've uh, autoimmune conditions, which mm -hmm. uh, effectively are, are the body attacking itself. Um, yeah. Yours comes in the form of uh, rheumatoid arthritis and, um, and fibromyalgia, if, if memory yeah. serves correct. Um, so you, you would have been on some very strong medications oh, yeah. uh, for them. 
and and yeah. you, you talked about the fact that you're a mother and as a mother and, and how did those medications like uh, your mother of two-year-old now so I'd imagine you probably weren't on them for very long being no. being a mother because you, you found cannabis uh, thankfully <laughs> but how, well, how would you have compared that like uh, the life on those medications trying to be a mother versus a life with cannabis as a medication and being a mother well like when I first got diagnosed with my autoimmune disease and the fibromyalgia, they basically said I couldn't be a mother, that my body wouldn't be able for it, you know? Um, and I'd say the only reason it wouldn't have been able for it is if I had stayed on all the medications that they were prescribing me. So like I first started on those medications when I was 18, 19, and I lost about 10 years of my life. I mean, I 100% was completely reliant on sleeping tablets, yet not sleeping at all, you know? Um, so trying to think about how I was functioning, because I, I haven't taken pharma now for about over three years. Um, I've been completely uh, cannabis, exclusively cannabis for three years now. And I was weaning off for about two years prior to that. And if I think about trying to be a mother at that time, it just wouldn't have been possible. I was in and out of hospital every month for about a few days. I was sick constantly. I wasn't making the recoveries. The flare-ups were worse. There's just no way I would have been able to be a mother at that point, um, or at least even feel good about being a mother at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you talked there about weaning off. Like, that's kind of uh, something that goes with these medications, that there actually yeah. is a, a kind of a, in an own regiment like that, it's it's tough yeah. to get off these uh, prescription medications yeah. that they have you on. A lot of the times people stay on these for their entire life because, the condition is like one that's it's just a treatable condition it's not curable uh, it, you know um so that that's uh, it's it's great that you found uh, cannabis but um as you say there you've been using it now for three years and uh, you've been a mother for two of those years um how, what would your reaction be to the, the story that was shared there uh, kind of went a, a bit viral again over the media and um, it was the woman named uh, caitlin uh, i think she's from canada but the, mm -hmm. the, uh, her her headline made uh, her news made the headlines, I think, in Australia and across other places as well. And it was like a mother who uses cannabis like it was it was very much focused on the fact that she used cannabis as a mother. And it was uh, how, how, how would your reaction be to that when uh, when you read the headline? <laughs> so I didn't I haven't seen that one. You but like, I mean, there's I'm sure there's endless headlines like that, you know, and I'm sure there's been countless headlines like that about mothers in many different forms throughout the years. I mean, we have a horrendous history here of how we treat mothers or single mothers. So, you know, I'm expecting shit to come at me, feedback mm -hmm. of negative, you know, but but I'm prepared for it and I'm okay with it because I prefer to be myself and present myself as myself and show that I'm not a bad person because I smoke cannabis. I'm not a bad mother because I smoke cannabis. People can write whatever they want. That's not gonna change that um but it is very difficult coming up against those things mm -hmm. and I feel sorry for any mother that has to face that judgment because it's just so wrong like you know when they say oh she's high on cannabis like when I think about being high the pharmaceutical drugs and what they did to me that was high when I'm like consuming cannabis I'm functioning and nobody would be going gee she's out of her head do you know what I mean like and when I used to drink alcohol like I would have blackouts you know that with cannabis how can I be a mother when I can't even like stand up straight, <laughs> yeah. you know, from alcohol? Like it just, it just to me, it makes no sense. So if people want to judge me and they want to come at me with things, it's more a reflection on them and their lack of understanding of cannabis. And that's just the way I'll view it. 
Yeah. And, and do you fear any, um, like, as you said, that they might target you? Do you think the, the authorities at all would um, would target you because of your being vocal about your cannabis use, um, despite it being for a medical reason? Because we, we kind of know that our government really don't respect that at all. Like the medicinal cannabis access program, you, you don't even fall into the three conditions. Yeah, unfortunately. No. So you've no choice but to go on the black market. Did you fair being targeted by the authorities, like social services or anything? Absolutely, yeah. That is a worry. Um, and you know, it. But it's something. Look, I've I've come up against this kind of stuff before. I lived in Uganda with my ex girlfriend, where it was illegal to be gay, and I worked on LGBTI pride there. When you believe in something that you know is wrong, that a law is wrong, you have to fight against it, whether you fear authorities coming after you or not because the reality is I believe so much in this that I'm willing to stand up and put myself at risk because I think if the authorities got me you know or came after me or targeted me the reality is they're tearing a family up for nothing yeah. for a plant and I will be vocal about it I will I will show the whole prospect of what they'll be doing to my life so um because that's the reality you have to shine a light on these things you can't just accept a draconian outdated law like in 1989 a supreme court judge here described homosexuality that if they legalized it, it would be like the flu and everybody would catch it so you know and we're laughing about that oh 20 God. years later we will be laughing about the same law about cannabis in 20 years time but we that's will. kind of what they're saying about cannabis legalization yeah, legalize cannabis everybody's going to be addicted to cannabis oh my god yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, like already have issues with alcohol. That's legal. But, you know, people go, they used to go in the doll and their lunch breaks and have a pint in the in the, the pub in the doll. And that was OK because right. it was illegal. It's like so if it is legal and everybody does start smoking weed. So what? It's legal. We're adults. We're allowed to do these things. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, it. it's complete hypocrisy to be told one thing from a government who at one point in time, they were embroiled in controversy because of a. Uh, a late night debate that was happening around uh, an abortion bill, actually, I believe, if, if memory serves correctly. And uh, yeah. one of the, the drunken TDs in the dial pulled a female TD onto his lap, you know, and yeah. it, this was all live on Tiaractus TV. And uh, the lads are pissed up there, like having a grand crack for themselves. And meanwhile, they're passing legislation that, that labels me and you a criminal because yeah. I use cannabis like not for any severe condition or anything, but it definitely improves my quality of life. But you use yeah. it for real medical conditions and it really does uh, improve the quality of your life. And it gives you an alternative to those life destroying yeah. pharmaceuticals that you, you talked about. Um, it's, it's it's just crazy. It's uh, that that's kind of why I'm at the point now. I, I don't believe in and get like, I don't know if you've seen the responses that uh, Gino Kenny got recently from Frank Freen in the dial uh, in relation to legalizing mm -hmm. cannabis. And he talked about a health led approach. But his health yeah. approach involves keeping prohibition in place where cannabis yeah. is sold by criminals. I'm just like, we, we can't engage with these guys any longer. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but civil disobedience for me is the only way forward. Like, I, I know yourself, you don't view what you're doing as civil disobedience, but I think what you're doing, like you're talking openly about your cannabis use. That is a form of civil disobedience. No, it is civil disobedience. Uh, it certainly is. Yeah. Uh, activism is a form of civil disobedience and it, it is there for a reason you know and i believe we all have our forms and our ways of doing that within the community like for me it's it's about normalizing as a woman and a mother mm -hmm. for you you have your resources of bringing the plant to the to the police officer and being like see yeah. it's just a plant and you have your ways you know and nicole like from court cannabis activist network 
she does amazing work as well. Yeah, like, and yeah. there's so many people working so hard in this community. And if we can all work together, like we can stand up against them, but it's just so hard when we're separated and we're hidden in these behind these laws, you know. Um, well, there's so, so much COVID fear and happened. stigma there as well within our community. Um, yeah. For a long time, we're, we're all fearful of one another because a lot, a lot of the times that's how our guards operate is through snitches. Yeah. And if somebody knows that you have a bit of cannabis, there's a likelihood yeah. somebody could snitch in you for want to get off. Because that's what happened with myself. Uh, not, not that somebody snitched on me, but when I got stopped and searched by the cops, every, uh, every time they gave me an opportunity, where did you get the cannabis? Tell me who you got it off and we'll make this go away. You don't even have to go to court. Like that, that's how our guards operate. So that puts fear uh, within our community of one another. So it was very hard for us yeah. to get united then because of, of that. But then when we are united, you know, um, for, for me, I, I've, I've campaigned for geez, 13 years now, unfortunately. Um, but but uh, we, I'm, I'm just at a point where I, I'm just very vocal. I'm very forward. And I've campaigned with people who I, I've scared them, unfortunately, away from me because of, say, my, my, my forwardness of being so open about my cannabis use and, and willingness to, to go forward and challenge the law by, by going and present myself to be arrested. Because I, I, th I think that's how we have to take away the legitimacy of the law yeah just, just openly break like it's great doing online and on those things but i think if we just really engage with the system go down to the, the guard station numbers that's how we're really going to send the message to the guys at the top you know the, as nicole uh, from carcan uh, you brought her up um she she's been doing i believe i'd know she had 100 days now or whatever is the twitter campaign behind 103 i think is today I think. yeah there you go and and he's ignored all of that the, the whole lot of that like it's so easy for him to ignore that and, and I, I don't know how Nicole takes that, but for me, that that would eat me up inside. That would kill me knowing I'm doing that. And I know she's getting a great message out there, but unfortunately, she, she's getting it largely to in an echo chamber, you know, to, to people who've already received it. Um, and it's just so oh, I don't know about that now, because like the end of the day, when there is activism and there's any sort of a movement, we all have a part to play and we all do it in our own way. Um, you have your way of doing yeah. it. Like I have my way of doing it. And not everybody's able to do it in the same way. You know, we all have things to deal with in our life. We have different parts of our personality that are able to work in different ways. Like for me, like what Nicole has done and the way she has brought so much information together for people to see really is helping to bring the stigmatization down. Because like there's, there's a place now where people can go and they can go okay well this is something I want to break down like she has the thing about the IQ and stuff like mm -hmm. that and you can share that and then like if somebody is challenging you on something you have a place to go to pull the information yeah. that is so important and so useful because one of the ways we do make activism work is through conversation I mean we saw that with the same sex um campaign I was very much heavily involved with that conversations Definitely, with the yeah. different generations were so important yeah. and having those information to pull from it it makes all the difference you know because that's often when you're having conversations with people and people challenge you with these stigmatized that they're hearing and they're seeing in the news and you're going how do I chat how do I bring that challenge like how do I say well that's not true because I have this information that's what Nicole has done mm -hmm. so I think we all have a really important role to play. And like we have, obviously you had Natalie on as well. Like Natalie is amazing with her legal knowledge, you know, and, mm -hmm. and okay, we all will eventually get back to working together when COVID isn't as bad, but like, at least we're all doing something that is yeah. bringing this yeah. attention. 
And, you know, we have to also see that we have different types of followers. Like a lot of mothers might relate to me, but they might not relate to you. Mm-hmm. A lot of your followers might not relate to me. And that's why we're all so important in this movement, you know? Yeah. No, and I'm definitely not discrediting uh, anything that the, the Car Cannabis Activists Network was doing, Nicole. Um, but what I was thought about is the how she gets ignored by Frank Fee and by Stephen oh, yes. Bradley. Like how, how disheartening that must be and what that yeah. must do to a person. Um, it, it's yeah. terrible. But because what we do end up doing, we do end up creating networks, uh, communities within ourselves, yeah. like where we are arming each other with great uh, uh, bits of information, you know, uh, the, the infographics that's come out of Car Cannabis Activist Network, uh, they, they're great. They're very yeah. useful. Um, yeah. But it'd be great. You know, what, what, what really annoys me is just that Frank Fien has never once re- responded. You know, like it, it, he should have, you know, he, he done his 100 days of walking. Come on, like 100 days of tweeting to him, like and, and not to give an ounce or a response. Like surely, I don't know. But fair, fair play to her. Like, I, I, <laughs> she is a lot Maybe more patient than me Maybe we should do 100 days anyway. of sending him clouds. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we should do yeah. 100 days of sending him clouds every day. <laughs> we'll all every day roll office. a joint and send Frank Faye clouds on Twitter. Why don't we do that? Fuck yeah, it. I'd say we just have a smoke up outside his office. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, there's ways to do these things. I know COVID's kind of getting in the way, but we could send clouds to Frank every day. I'd happily send clouds to Frank every day. Be like, yeah, come on, join yeah. the sesh, Frank. Yeah, definitely. But even in that, actually, I suppose sending clouds, I suppose that's something that, that's interesting. You brought that up because uh, like you smoke your cannabis as and it's a medicine, but that's kind of counterintuitive to how you might think of medicines, you know, because smoking anything is is not good for us like a uh, combustion. It's, it's not really good. And um, so there, there's certainly uh, a need for for more education done. And, and that's not the like the look down or to stigmatize anybody. It's just that uh, it's when you think of medication you wouldn't think of somebody hitting the bottom i've researched you know the medicinal uses of thc and i'm I'm certified in it and thc is actually something that they're using as a treatment for asthma because it's it works within our lungs to uh, encourage uh, better lung capacity Mm -hmm. and better lung use so um that again is just something that's created by stigmas that's not true but unfortunately, in Ireland, we tend to mix our cannabis with tobacco. With tobacco. And there we go. I'm delighted you brought that up. Yes. And it's do, you, do you mix? I'm sorry. Do you mix? <laughs> no, I yes. haven't mixed in like 10 years. <laughs> I did at the very, very start because I didn't know any better and everybody else was doing it. And then I was like, yeah. this is disgusting. Uh, and, and no, what no, I'm a pure, pure floor. I, I, People would always say, anytime I bring this up to people, they would always say to me, oh, I could never afford to smoke pure. What, what, how would you respond to those people? <laughs> That's why I have a bong. Yes. <laughs> you find a way to make it affordable. It's just you you have you can't just it's like include tobacco because that makes no. You're just literally causing yourself lung problems. If you smoke it with tobacco, please stop. Mm-hmm. And is that and one of the also you're not bong? getting the flavor of cannabis? Like cannabis is so gorgeous why would you ruin it with tobacco <laughs> like that that's true too actually but if, if once you start I have a volcano and uh, once you start vaporizing oh. and uh yeah oh, then you really start to get the taste because you can like yeah. target specific terpenes and everything with the temperatures oh it's a it's a fine art actually i i, I wish yeah. i could uh I wish I had an endless supply of cannabis there so I could just experiment all day long. The dream, the dream, the one day dream. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hopefully someday. Um, Can I ask, uh, when you were showing your bong there, was that one of the doozy bongs, was it? It's a Chong's. Oh, the Chong's bong. Okay, Yeah, Yeah, my little mini one. 
yeah, because that's right. uh, you know I use it throughout the day. I have a bigger one, and then but the bigger one I save special occasions in case I break it because my toddler loves to break my bongs on a regular yeah. occasion. But <laughs> the hemp company have always been so good to me to like provide me with replacements, and anytime I go in and they don't slag me too much about it either. So. Yeah, I think we're, we're definitely the, some of the same there. I've had uh, mine broke. I have two daughters myself as well. And yeah. uh, we, we've definitely had multiple bonds broken over the years, <laughs> getting knocked and things like that. So yeah, that's it. Be a bit of an issue. Oh, um, can, can I ask uh, for yourself, um, have you ever applied for the ministerial uh, license for cannabis access? No. Um, and I think I, at this point, out of protest, I wouldn't because I just, I, even the fact that they use the word compassionate, it's just, I mean, I, I feel like I need to, you know, screenshot the word compassionate in the dictionary, in the encyclopedia and like send it to them individually so that they actually understand what the word compassionate is because clearly they don't. Yeah. No, it, it, it is ridiculous. Like the, the current access program, uh, I, I've a protest planned there for, for next month where um, there's a patient who, who had a license and uh, he's after giving back his license now because he wasn't able to afford medicine anymore because they, they weren't reimbursing it for him. So I'm, I'm traveling up to him and I'm going to give him some cannabis in the guard right. station um, and that'll be the civil disobedience protest uh, for the next uh, one. Um, and it'll just highlight the injustice there that uh, a person who once had a ministerial license but wasn't able to maintain it because of the extortion of price that was there. And it wouldn't really be there because uh, if if cannabis wasn't so prohibited, say if somebody like myself, I have an honours degree in herbal science, if I was able to set up a little cannabis collective where I was able to grow cannabis for patients yeah. at, a, at, a, at a cost price, do you know where they just paid for like the bare minimum? like and uh, Yeah as opposed to I'm getting it from Bedrocan Artillery where they're, they're just like a serious markup because of uh, how prohibitive the, the, the cannabis actually is. Like, how would you, uh, like, how do you get your uh, cannabis currently? Is it um, the dark web or do you have... Uh, so, no, I've had the same person for 10 years now and I'm really yeah. lucky that I have, you know, because um, they get it to me when I'm sick you know um now there's been times you know during lockdown and stuff that they just didn't have it and I was really struggling to get it um because I I need it daily I I can't actually eat without my cannabis and um, my stomach doesn't function properly so um it's it's essential for me you know um and I'm really lucky but I haven't always been lucky and not everyone is as lucky and if you yeah. are sick and you're trying to find somebody to get you THC because that's the only thing that works for anti-spasm then uh like it's it's nearly it's it's an awful awful situation to be in yeah it's scary um, it's concerning does, um does that person grow it themselves or do they import no. it they import it i have no idea unfortunately oh, you don't they're not okay. yeah i don't yeah. inquire that deeply with it um okay we're just very you know loyal for 10 years but um so you there's a lot of trust there so really you can yeah. trust the person that they, they're going to be giving you a quality product <laughs> and whether they're yeah. or important you, you don't really know um do, do they tell you what kind of strains you're getting or oh yeah and they usually give me an offering of like an indigo sativa but you know i mean indigo sativa they're more just obviously more dominant because they're all hybrids these days mm -hmm. but yeah so um and because i struggle with sleep i'll tend to get more of an indica because i can't afford to buy a bit of each 
Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll put like some CBD or some CBG with it. And then that kind of takes the effects off a little bit for during the day and stuff. I mean, it's just about knowing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and if people were allowed to have access to the information or if doctors were trained in this, then, you know, it would be so much better. But they're not. Um, what, what would it do to you in the morning if um, your dealer, uh, don't call him a dealer, your, your, your plant uh, distributor. <laughs> um, that what, I like. Yeah, what, what, would, uh, what would it mean to you in the morning if uh, you no longer had access to that person, say if the authorities had caught up with them and, and taken them off the, the, the streets? <laughs> uh, I'd be screwed. Because I'd have to go searching. Uh, I currently don't have a car. I have a two-year-old and I have to go and what, go through like the parks of Dublin to try and find somebody who can give me some and, you know, hope that it's safe and all. These, I mean, it's oh. just ridiculous to think to put people through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be backwards. It really would set you back uh, that you're relying on somebody that, who the media would have no problem. Like, let's just say for, for argument's sake, your plant distributor had a, a kilo of plant material that, that they would parade him on the media as some big time dealer. Oh, Gardy carry out successful raids, you know, and, and they shot his dog too. Sure, they're, be great. Yeah. <laughs> they're, and they're such decent people. Like, I mean, this person is so decent to me. The way they mm-hmm. they have always brought it over. There's been times that I'm getting at a hospital and I need it immediately, and they they they're coming over like with it. Mm-hmm. Like that's so decent, you know. And that's why I always stay loyal to pe- people who are decent. I'll stay loyal to yeah. anytime, all the time. I'll, I'll never forget um, a time, um, so. when, when I was uh, I was about 18 at 17 18 at the time and there was a, an old an older older lady uh, living in uh, a park uh, not far from me now um, but I'd say she was in like her 70s 80s I was and uh, it was my cousin put me in contact with her and she was looking for cannabis because uh, it, it helped her with, with uh, whatever condition she had arthritis uh, and um, mm-hmm. she'd suffer with sleeping issues then as well and uh, she was talking about how great cannabis was so my cousin brought me over any one time because look I, I was selling back then and uh, I gave her some cannabis she was trying to trade me her her prescription medication for her into cannabis I was like no no I'm not into that stuff at all um but but it was, it was just very interesting like that me I was only 17 18 at the time like and Harry was wow. giving this woman who, who could have been in her 80s like I don't know what age she was she was very old anyway and I was giving her her medicine, like effectively, I was giving her her medicine. Yeah, you were, so it's, yeah. It's when I think back at it now, how wrong that kind of is, that that's that's what prohibition does. It's like you have young kids. Like I was a young kid. I didn't know what I was, I had cannabis. That's all I knew about what yeah, it was. I, I bought it from some other guy. Yeah. And I'm giving it to this old lady. And it's just, what a messed up system that is. And we're still in that right now today where the, the drug dealers have gotten even younger. Like, I think the youngest yeah. drug dealer in, in Dublin is like 12. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I've I've had that. Like, during the uh, lockdown, I got in touch with somebody, you know, you find them over Instagram or whatever, um, or one of the social media things. And I was like, okay, and they were selling, I think it was four grams in the 50 bags, but they were only selling by 50 bags because that was like lockdown. That was what happened in the pandemic lockdown. It was really difficult for, I'm sure, anybody who was sick. So I went over anyway. The person that handed to me was like a child, like 16 maybe. And I was like, oh, this is this is wrong. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be contributing to this. But this is not an issue of drugs. This is an issue of prohibition. And it is an issue of societal classing and attacking of them. Do you know? Because like I, I've said this, Time and time again, I've used this example and I always do because for me, it shows the absolute hypocrisy in law and in law enforcement and in lawyers who, you know, who 
basically put criminals be uh, criminals behind bars, drug dealers behind bars. So like I was studying law in Trinity and I'm like at this party, like street party. And I look around and there's like the whole of the law society around me and they're all passing white around cocaine and pills. And I'm like, and I'm just smoking my J's like I do. And, uh, and that's all I'm interested in. And there they're passing it around, you know. I'm going, these motherfuckers, excuse me, these people are literally going to go and finish their law degree and they're going to continue buying these drugs while they're going to put those people who are selling those drugs away. Like, how is that okay? And they never get drug tested or anything in their jobs. Yet I have friends who do menial jobs and they're getting tested, drug tested. For what? What are they going to do in their job that is going to cause anybody harm if they're high on weed? Or they smoked weed the night before but it's okay for a lawyer to be taking cocaine like up to four or five hours before they go into court yeah yeah no it's, it's a power move and it's another way of discriminating against us because we, we all know with these drug testing and, and these workplaces it's it's largely cannabis that gets detected if, if you're a cocaine user you go out and do cocaine on a friday and a saturday night and piss clean oh. on a monday morning yeah um, whereas with cannabis it's much more difficult and uh, it's, it's always been brought up to me numerous times. I've had people say to me, I, I have a friend who's a guard, I have a friend who's a solicitor, and they love the cocaine. They love yeah. cocaine. And I'm just like, yeah, just, I'm not surprised at all that people tell me this. It, it's crazy. Because even during prohibition of alcohol in the, the US, the prohibition, the agents of prohibition, you go back to their own prohibition yeah, parties like where they used to be drinking like yeah. with the agents of prohibition it's, it's like oh man all of this stuff is out there for people to read like it's like i'm not making this up like the, no, the none of this is made up this is parties. true yeah yeah and prohibition only works for the people who are in upper class yeah that's it and, and can, can i ask i suppose uh you talked about the fact your mother and everything and you're you're doing a course now to nutrition and coaching um if you were to be caught with cannabis, let's say, coming back from your your plant distributor, like, um, what, what would that do to you and your life? Um, like, how would that make you feel the thoughts of an upcoming court uh, case? Have you ever found yourself in that situation, if you have? I haven't currently, like, with, you know, I haven't been, like, it hasn't happened that it's been, in, I, I was caught in Uganda and they started trying to yeah with cannabis i was caught smoking cannabis at a reggae gig in, <laughs> in uganda <laughs> so i was like smoking a joint at a reggae gig i mean seriously and the ugandan police caught me and they accused me of smoking crack cocaine oh that's quite a jump <laughs> yeah well you know i think that was probably more about a bribe than anything you yeah know, so what was it rolled up or did you have a pipe yeah it was in like it was in a slip or they, they it was on the ground i saw them coming i dropped it and like uh -huh. put my foot on and it like i mean you couldn't even see what it is but they were just like <laughs> you were smoking crap cocaine yeah and i was like i was what <laughs> <laughs> here just take my money and go uh is this pretty much yeah. what happened is it oh my god well no actually thank a friend of mine um, who was a lawyer was there with me, um, a trans guy. And so that was a little scary because I didn't know how well that was going to be received. But he thankfully like sorted it out. Um, and then I had like another friend of mine who was like a rich friend who happened to be on cocaine and nearly made the whole thing really shit because, you know, most people on cocaine just really aren't the best people to yeah, deal with. We were two hands on. <laughs> yeah, it was a little too much. So um, it was like, uh, why don't you just go over there for a little bit and let's, let us deal with this? <laughs> 
Uh, lovely. But I do live in fear of that happening here. Um, mm. But I think at the, I think that's why I came out and why I started doing what I'm doing because I don't want to live in fear in the shadows, um, especially when I don't feel like I'm actually doing anything wrong. Um, uh, but it is, it is at the end of the day, it has gotten to me. I am actually going to leave Ireland this year because of it. Um, mm. I'm going to go to Spain, but I'm going to continue fighting. I'll be back and forth here. I, my, my health just can't take another winter mm. in Ireland when I have not got actual proper access to cannabis, you know? Yeah. So, um, but like, I, I believe in this cause. I'm never going to give up on it. I'm never going to give up fighting. I'm never going to give up showing my life with cannabis and that it's completely fine and normal and I'm not harming anybody. Mm. I'm doing good, not bad. So, but yeah, of course, I'm sure there's a lot that live with it. You'll be joining Alicia so in Spain as as another kind of Irish citizen in in exile. Yeah, a refugee of uh, of medical cannabis, unfortunately. Um, But because even, I suppose, between like, it's it's only a two hour journey, but you happen to plan two hours and you're in Spain. Um, that that's great and all, but but it's worlds are different. Like that, they've got the the right to grow over there, which is yeah. monumental. Like, uh, and and I think we we we're entitled to that same right to grow here. We just have to fight for it, um, yes. because it's it was based upon their constitution, the right to privacy, and uh, a couple of other things. They fought for about twenty years through the courts to get to where they are. Um, what an amazing achievement! But over there, I, I think it's uh, you'll be getting cannabis for maybe five to ten euro a gram where it's a, a hair oh so, yeah i have a friend over there right now and i got sent a picture this morning they got a hundred grams for 300 euro oh my god that's for three euro a gram, three euro that's, a gram. That's amazing that's great like for for a patient what that would mean that that's excellent because how much would you use per day say just to keep your symptoms at bay so I'm, I'm really struggling at the moment because I've been in a really bad flare up. So when I'm not in a flare up, the minimum I need is like a half an ounce. But that's all I can afford. So okay. when I'm in a flare up, um, I can't get more than a half an ounce, even though I need more than a half an ounce. When you look at most patients um, who are chronic pain sufferers, the average is about an ounce a week. Mm-hmm. And that, that's week. what it works out at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not able to get I think Health Canada or something recommends somewhere in the regions of like three to four grams a day, somewhere a day. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah, a day. So yeah, that's that's not far off that ounce there yeah. as well. So uh, that that's a lot. And then, uh, how much is an ounce then for yourself? Uh, hopefully, your dealer does you a good deal. <laughs> no, unfortunately, there's no good deals in that world. I yeah. wish. Um, so I pay 180 euro every single week. And that's for the half ounce. That's our half ounce. Okay, and. That's only just about keeping you going. Then, if you have a flare up like that's bare, that's yeah. not going to do it. Yeah, that's not, that's simply like I've had some good friends who come up and you know they share with me what they've got, but like we're all struggling, mm-hmm. we're all, all, and that's medical people I'm talking about who are my friends who will come up, they're medical consumers too, but mm-hmm. we all have to take care of each other, you know. Yeah, um, but we're all struggling, we are all struggling, and that's just the truth. Yeah, it is unfortunate. And there's people then like making massive profits off the, the back of it. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy to think um, that the, the raids recently, uh, it's, it's a real oh, indicator just... as the, well, how much cannabis has actually been consumed out there? It's uh, it's crazy. I'd like, And I, I would love to really have a good idea as to how many people are self-medicating like yourself on the black market. Um, because I, I think there is a lot 
And it's it's unfortunate when, when we see these raids uh, that we don't attribute that like oh that, that's actually a percentage of that as a patient's medicine like I'm, yeah. there's no denying that that's what prohibition has done it's made yeah. patients rely on the black market and and now we yeah. have the guards who are, who are basically parading the stuff online thinking they're doing great but meanwhile yeah. there's, there's patients like if if you weren't able to get it now you would probably be in tears looking at those posts thinking like I'm, here I am flaring up in pain and here's yeah. the guards about to destroy that stuff. I have been in tears looking at those things in the past. Like, absolutely, there's been times. Um, and, like, there's endless issues, like, with that. Um, like, even if I'm thinking from a female perspective, like, I mean, I've had women come to me and I've had the experiences myself where they've been like, I live now, I'm lucky, I'm in Dublin. And, but if you're in a small town in rural Ireland and there's one source and that source is a dickhead, Mm-hmm. Um, you're screwed like for a girl I've had girls come to me saying there's guys who there's only one dealer in it and they are suffering with endometriosis but you know there's guys saying well for sexual favors and all these different things so the the levels of different issues that women face in prohibition as well are is different too mm-hmm. there is the levels of of that men face from being beaten and different things like that or being robbed again there's just Prohibition just creates so many problems. And when I was on um, News Talk recently and that guy was, you know, given all of his, the, the ex-guarded drug enforcement, you know, everything he was describing and talking about, he was part of the problem with the prohibition because mm-hmm. he was saying drugs rip like, people's lives apart. No, your drug enforcement agents going into that family and ripping them apart and locking somebody up for, you know, plant use or for living in an area and getting involved in the only opportunities available to them, it's just wrong. And yep. they're part of the problem, but they're indoctored and, and conditioned to believe in what they're doing. Yeah. No, I, I'm just writing bullshit. I faced a lot of that stigma myself. As I, said, I have two kids myself, and um, I've had situations where people have claimed that, uh, oh, I care more about my my campaigning and my cannabis use over I do with my kids because of uh, my unwillingness to give up and like how prepared I am to, to be one, locked up, but but two, if, if the authorities come and target me and try to, to keep me away from my kids because of it, like I'm, I'm prepared for that, I'm prepared for the battle. That does not mean that I don't care about my, my kids and it doesn't mean that they're not the number one priority in my life. Of course they are, but like this, this is something that's uh, it's inhibiting my ability in order to be a, a more effective father and like uh, my my yeah. ability to get a job. It's hindered now because I have a criminal exactly. conviction for possessing cannabis. That's yeah. not fair on my kids to have a dad who's less well off in life because of simply possessing like what, what's here, like a little bit of cannabis herb. It's 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 ridiculous. Exactly. Like yeah doesn't make any sense and it's wrong you know and at the end of the day if anybody asks you those questions you know I would say to them you know you're missing the point I'm doing this because I'm a dedicated father because I believe so much in a better world for my children growing up and I don't want them to have to face these same issues of prohibition or judgment over a plant so that's how I would see it but like you know people are going to come at you like that they're going to have their judgments their stigmas so just keep strong and just don't let them get at you because you know you know you're fighting the right fight yeah yeah no and definitely definitely i think we all we all do and uh, i think the tide is certainly turning now um i think there's a massive massive momentum um building uh online and uh, i can't yeah. wait for the day when the restrictions are lowered because uh had yeah. we not had restrictions in place uh, for for the little collins raids i think uh once jp uh was going back down to open that Kilkenny yeah. floor, there would have been a we would have been there crowd. 
there, there would have been the yeah. whole community outside of there. We would have all been there. For, yeah. for the cops. So uh, it's, it's just very unfortunate that uh, th- this momentum is building up at a time when we're, we're so restricted and, and getting out and engaging. But that's not holding me back. I'm still, uh, I'm trying to lead the way and show people how we can still protest effectively under these uh, lockdowns uh, going out there on your on your own, unfortunately. But maybe with yeah. two or three people down to the local Garda station with a little bit of flour, CBD flour, if you will. And uh, yeah, we, we engage in with it. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts? Did you, did you happen to see some of those protests that I did at all? Yeah, I saw one. I think I retweeted one. I mean, there's, I think, like, like I said, every part of protest that we're doing is important and proves a point. You are showing them, look, this is a plant. Like, I think I the one I saw you went up with the pot and there was like the little plant was starting to grow out of it. Yeah. She was so pretty. Um, and, you know, but like those sorts of things, they do show this is just a plant. And sometimes they do just need to be shown these things and for it to be broken down in that way. And the more you do it, the more it breaks it down. First time we do anything is always shocking. You know, there's always that shock factor. But the more you do it, the more it normalizes it, yeah. you know, so. It certainly does. Fair play. Um, yeah, no, thanks very much. Um, can, can I ask uh, just... Um, You've been to, to Amsterdam and, and uh, oh, yeah. ha- have you ever been to, to, to Spain before and experienced the, the market there? No. Oh, you haven't. Okay. I was going to ask, uh, would you be I able to everything? <laughs> I just, I've not been really, uh, so like I kind of lived in Uganda, I lived in the US. Um, I've been to Vegas and I went into a few dispensaries there. Now that was, okay. that was fun. And that is like being, you know, a kid in a candy store with all the different options and, and talking to people who know what they're talking about and and feeling open and free yeah. like that is the best feeling I think of all and then leaving there and just being like I can just puff away on my vaporizer I don't have to think about anything and you know so yeah yeah that is something that uh, it holds you back here in conversations like certainly even myself when I, I went and done college and stuff you know you have this party uh, that you're keeping locked and hidden away you know oh you can't talk about my cannabis use because straight away if you do People are going to like, oh, he's just a stoner. Oh, he's just, you know, he yeah. loves Bob Marley. <laughs> just start labeling, you know, with all these kind of, uh, neg- like a lot of the times, like not really negative, but they are by and large negative connotations. Like, uh, you know, like even Mary Cannon stuff there, like uh, trying oh. to say that. Yeah, there you go. Like trying to say cannabis use lowers your IQ. It's like, oh man, this lady. Oh, so annoying. You need to read a new book, uh-huh. you know. You need to read some new books, educate yourself a little bit more, uh, maybe move away from the Bible a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Although, it, you know, they smoked a lot in the Bible, too. It, they did. I, I had, <laughs> they just don't talk about that part of the Bible, but they did. Yeah, because, I, you know, prohibition of cannabis the, is only 100 years in, so. I'd Reverend uh, Danny Nemo on the uh, podcast in episode 12, I think it was. And, oh, uh, deadly. Yeah, he talks all about like uh, the different uh, drugs that are hidden in the Bible, but but cannabis is one of them under the the name cannabisum. Um, so it's certainly in there. Uh, the drugs yeah. have been a part of human culture forever. Prohibition has only been this new thing over the last eighty years. If anything, what we're fighting for return to the norm and the prohibition yeah. is not the norm. Um, so it's why we're, we're it's such a weird world we're in. The last, I mean. If you look at the history of the last 80 years and all the things that have happened, it's been a really weird 80 years, Certainly has. you know, um, like prohibition of alcohol didn't last long, but this drug prohibition and like for me personally, like going forward, I, I think 
the prohibition of all drugs needs to be lifted, not mm-hmm. just cannabis. Um, and my long term goal is to really work within therapy with people and psychedelics and help yes. heal trauma because it's one of the best ways you can heal trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't understand why people are so afraid of opening up connections in their brains. I mean, our brains have so much potential that we just are afraid to tap into, I think, in so many ways. But um, yeah, it's really powerful. There's so there, many healing properties from the earth. But you've obviously seen the images of the, the brain uh, when it's just normal and then the brain on yeah. mushrooms and the brain on LSD. Yeah. And it's just showing the, the interconnectedness yeah. of the different parts of the brain, how it opens up communication channels yeah. within the brain that it just puts the yeah. brain into a kind of a hyperdrive almost like a, of communication within itself. And what that does it for the individual. Yeah, yeah. it breaks patterns because our brain follows patterns. And so if it's so used to doing something and then this like trauma happens and they're they're used our brains used to following this pattern. But this new thing has happened so that the pattern doesn't work for that. If you take something like mushrooms or whatever that opens up a new pattern of connection, it allows you to find new ways to heal for your brain to find new ways to function and deal with the things that have happened. You know, do you um. You envision hoping to get to, to work with um with a psychedelic someday within your life coaching uh kind of therapy yeah Definitely. excellent Long so term. you've been following some of the work that's been obviously going on so in places like canada um and even yeah. in uh, oregon now where they've decriminalized all drugs but they went one yeah. further and they've uh, went and legalized the, the therapeutic use of uh, yeah. of mushrooms as well um i, I think dmt i think as well they did as well yeah. Yeah. Have you ever tried EMT? <laughs> no, that's the one I haven't. I would like to. Um, for me, I, I mean, it's just, it's quite, I'm going to say it anyway, sure, I'm saying quite controversial things, but, and it wasn't in this country that I did it. So I'm going to say ketamine cured my PTSD. I'm not saying people to go ahead and do ketamine. It was very organized. It was done in, like ketamine, just taking it recreationally will not do that for you. But if it's done correctly, you can absolutely cure traumas, not cure, but find new ways to live with them your brain finds a way to deal with yeah. them and and i suppose in, in in that like you have some of your own traumas you you carried from early childhood and you say that kind of manifested mm-hmm. even in your autoimmune diseases possibly yeah. um but ketamine uh, helped uh, overcome that because uh, I, I suppose is it similar I, i've never tried ketamine no myself but would it be similar to like say mdma is it that it just lowers these barriers these self-defense barriers we put up subconsciously or how would you, you know, if I would compare it? to MDMA, it's more, I think, along the lines of a DMT experience in the MDMA. sense okay. it's a very much a journey. Um, yeah. You know, like for me, it was a journey into myself that I went and I was with people who were trained, who were allowed me to do this journey. Mm-hmm. And, and in that journey that I went on, it was the most healing experience I've ever felt. You know, I've never okay. felt so connected to myself as a person. Okay. And and the people who were there with you, so um, it, you were saying it was in a very controlled setting. So were, excuse me, were, were they therapists or were they? It was a therapist um, and a nurse. A therapist yeah. and a nurse. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, that that's a, that's amazing. I, I know some friends who done um some ketamine studies on uh, on for depression. Um, it's, yeah. There's some promising things there shown for ketamine yes. and depression as well. Um, but I, I suppose those two people that were there, um, did they play much a role or were they just um, were they just there to observe you and make sure you are? It was observing and safekeeping, observing. you know, okay. yeah, but there was no real 
it guidance or anything like the therapist wasn't no. uh, guiding it was all no. all the healing was done yourself I suppose as well and yeah that it was all that's, that's and, the, and space to kind of explore mm-hmm. it I, I did talk through some of it but a lot yeah. of it was visual inside um, yeah. and then there was like space to talk through it as well, well so it, it's but you need to be very safe you need to be yeah. with the right people like you can't just go oh let me try ketamine for my PTSD (laughs) like it doesn't work like that but there's a lot of promise there's a huge amount of promise out there I suppose just with yourself there would have been pre-work you would have done work with the therapist before the experience and then you would have had a a reintegration and after the experience again maybe one or two three four I don't know how many sessions but it would have probably been just discussing everything that went on um within that uh that's correct yeah. yeah And even when I stopped using the ketamine, I did another six months therapy afterwards to decom- like to go through everything, to process everything that I went through. And it, it was life changing. Well, life changing. That's, that's really cool, because it's like if, if that was any other kind of drug out there, like they, they wouldn't be happy about that, that they can only give you one dose and it's you're good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and here of. I am five years later. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's, it's crazy. I, I tried uh, DMT um, going back many years ago and I used to always suffer with a uh, nighttime anxiety and, and it used to cause yeah. me uh, insomnia when I used to worry about death and the afterlife. And I suppose I was oh, brought yeah. up Catholic, so I have an idea of heaven and hell yeah. and stuff like this. So I used to always be worrying, especially after my, my first child was born, as to like, what if she doesn't get into heaven? What if I don't and she does? I'm like, all these weird thoughts circling in my head. And um, I I tried DMT one time after doing like a year and a half of researching it, listened to to all sorts of stories about it. And uh, I've never once had a a nighttime anxiety around the the afterlife. I was like, and I, I hate using the word cured. But I was cured. You know I, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I was certainly cured. I don't worry yeah. about that. Those thoughts that were worrying me for so long um, for, from the time of my child being born up until that, that time when I tried EMT, I believe uh, she would have been about five at the time. So about five yeah. years of suffering. Like, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's it fair play to you for doing like for taking that like chance. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people are too afraid, but the results are just yeah, unreliable. So- yeah, definitely. Like, but but certainly, it's uh, it's interesting with these substances. Like, uh, I, I don't know about ketamine, would it fit that bill? But with DMT, it's almost as if there's something inbuilt in it that it would push away from actually abusing it. Like, it, it it's very hard to abuse DMT. You wouldn't be doing DMT every weekend. Like, you know, it's not a party drug, so to speak. Um, I definitely know people who've partied with ketamine. I suppose. Um, yeah, but like I think for really for the benefit like of doing what it for the way I did it, like you you have to go into the K hole. You you're not just getting like high on ketamine. You're going yeah. into the K hole. You're going deep, mm-hmm. you know. Um and ketamine only when it's taken that way, like that takes you deep, is it like DMG? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Because um, but like I watched this documentary on Vice, because you know, Vice cover all different types of drugs. Right, yeah. It's always, you know honest recollections um and there was a guy on it he had done like dmt all these different things but he was saying ketamine was one of this he, he figured it was a super drug and it was a way for him to really get in touch with the universe and and the energies and everything and he was like ketamine but he said it had to be at this certain milligram you have to keep topping it up topping it up topping it up and you got to get to this certain milligram when you get to that certain point if you were able to get to it then your brain like frees you of everything. This was his experience. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it was almost religious for him. Yeah. Um, 
And like, so it just says that there is more, but when Vice were doing it, they tried to figure out how ketamine is synthesized because we don't actually fully know. There's only a few places that apparently do it in the world. Like there's a place in Asia, I think in India was one of them, um, but they couldn't get anybody to show show Vice how to synthesize it. So we don't fully know exactly through the synthesization process what it does and Mm. what that does to us. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to say what exactly ketamine is. Yeah. It, it, well, and I suppose in terms of psychedelics, it is, in terms it of is psychedelics, yeah. New. Yeah. Um, but certainly there's others that have been around uh, for thousands of years. And um, and as you say, like DMT and ketamine, there seems to be kind of a likeness there in, in some mm-hmm. uh, thing. Um, but I, I, I again, until I try ketamine someday, um, hopefully under proper settings, <laughs> I, I won't. Find really yourself know. liquid ketamine. Liquid don't buy ketamine. the powdered okay good thanks for the advice <laughs> and, and, I, and like get it from somebody who knows me- like i got it from some from a like a medical source so you know oh nice yeah yeah that, that's cool no hopefully there might be a, a, an opportunity to partake in some research trial or something i'd love to be participant in one of those i, I applied for the one uh, for dmt in in london there not too long ago but unfortunately oh, i didn't get recruited <laughs> yeah i think there's a lot of people probably applying things well. yeah certainly would. you follow um maps and minds as well they because did, they're yeah. two organizations yeah that they they obviously advertise them all the time as well yeah, no, maps and minds that they, they do some amazing stuff. Uh, we, we had maps yeah. uh, as guests in CIT uh, via video link uh, back, back years ago. Brilliant. About, yeah, they were doing the, it was the phase three MDMA trials uh, that they were in talking to us about and um, when they were using MDMA for the PTSD, I think it was, that they were looking at at that time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think they've come on and that's done very well now and uh, I don't know how far they are from yeah. marketing a product now, um, but hopefully soon. <laughs> Hopefully right. soon. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Yeah. How far away do you think? Um, I, I suppose uh, I, I'm getting to the end of my questions now. Um, but the, one of the last ones is how far away do you think we are from um, more sensible drug policies in Ireland? Uh, I suppose cannabis is one question, but maybe psychedelics then is a second. How far away do you think those are? Um... I think cannabis is definitely before psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's not enough of a global push even happening for the psychedelic movement no. yet yet but i mean you know, i think I'm... there's enough research that it's starting to happen yeah. um but cannabis i think is taking the the, the forefront of the, the picture frame for the moment especially within ireland um how long i think i don't think we're innovative enough to be you know the first in europe or whatever to do this i think we follow trait when it comes mm-hmm. to our political decisions we follow the UK, we follow America. Um, we don't follow a lot of other countries in Europe. They tend to be the places we go to. Yeah. We're lucky Biden is in now. We're the, if the push goes for federalization of uh, mm. you know legalization of cannabis, that will help us here. Um, and I think at that point, I think I think the biggest thing, and strangely enough, that could go in our favor is Brexit for the UK and their economy. Because I think that actually could be the push for the UK to be like, okay, well, we need another source of revenue here that's going to really help our economy. And when they kind of step up and realize that, I think we will too, especially if it's brought into Northern Ireland, how are they going to stop it then? You know what I mean? Like if Northern Ireland has dispensaries because it's like legalized all through the UK, how is Ireland going to stop it? So 
I would look forward to that because uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, my, my buddy only shared a story with me uh, yesterday. Uh, it was the contraceptive train. Uh, it was oh back yeah, the, everybody you know, up to the boots in the Northern Ireland for condoms. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah. So if, if yeah. the UK were to, to allow cannabis to be sold, like that would be the next one. It'd be the cannabis train or maybe we'd get a bus and it'd be the cannabis. The cannabis. <laughs> the cannabis. You know what? <laughs> I would love that for Northern Ireland though because their economy would just fly up and they deserve that because they get just left behind with everything do you know they definitely and that do, would be yeah. great for them yeah no they definitely do and I, I think I, I'd love to be able to go to the Irish government and say see I told you so you should have done this before them yeah. and now they have the head start <laughs> well, we're gonna eventually gonna have to say I told you so because they're not gonna listen to us yeah, yeah. they're not listening to us they, they we have to get uh, on the streets no, I, I look forward to the event uh, during the, and next week. It's going to be Gino Kenny's event uh, about decriminalizing yeah. all drugs with Dr. Carl Hart. Uh, I, I think that's yes. going to do a lot for the conversation around drugs in Ireland. I hope it's yeah. really well attended. Um, I, I really hope yeah, Frank Fien and, and bloody Stephen Donnelly go to it. They're probably the most important people that should be going yeah. to it. Um, they're, they're probably just going to, you know, they won't go near this thing. Unfortunately. I think they probably fear a backlash, too much of a backlash. Like right now, it's all about for them their political presence and the because there's not enough of a societal movement or jump yet on the side of cannabis it's not a populist enough topic for them to go hey let me put my career on the line by saying i'm behind cannabis it's just not there yet but we need to get it and that's why we need to do the normalization we need to have these conversations we need to have the information to pull from but um they can't ignore us forever no, that, definitely not. But um, like that, that, that kind of mentality, like that, there's people out there who won't support it now. And when it becomes a populist thing, oh, they'll support it then. I just don't like those people. Like those people have got to go because they can't be trusted at all because they're only oh. doing things based upon their desire to keep their job. That shouldn't be it. Yeah, they're but, they're I mean, getting elected to represent the people. Yeah. And they should be doing the job to represent the people, not the yeah. job that's going to keep them in the in their position. And that's what I hate about party politics in this country. Oh, yeah, really it's, it's beyond me. frustrating. And even like when you saw uh, the same sex marriage come in, I mean, mm-hmm. Leo Varadkar was, you know, Taoiseach. <laughs> he was a gay man. And, you know, he used that as a populist thing. Yeah. He used his own community for yeah. his career, you know, in not a... a so like I, I get what you mean and it is really frustrating and there's almost like a dirty element to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, they're just following behind us. We're the ones who know we're educated. We're fighting. We're not going to shut up. We're going to keep smoking. I'm going to keep blowing those clouds. You've given me an idea. I want to send clouds every day now to Frank Fay. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, Super just fine. keep doing stuff like that. And we just got to keep the momentum up. We just can't give up. Excellent. I think that's a, a nice note there, a nice high end uh, to, to the show. Um, unless there's anything else you'd like to add, because no. it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to sit and chat with you here this morning. And uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hope someday we may be able to do this in person and uh, get, get yeah, there, share some nice. clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, and look, if there's any mothers out there and they want to see what I'm doing, I'm Enlightened Lady Toker on Instagram and I review different CBD stuff. I'm going to start reviewing THC products as well because people need to know how to use them too. But I'm going to do it on my Patreon because of the police. Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah. But the CBD stuff will be there for anybody to see as well. And then I'm going to start reviewing THC because we need to know about these products. So that's Enlightened Lady Talker on Instagram and you're on Twitter as well under yeah, the same name. as well, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. 
excellent no that, that definitely people go give yourself a, a follow and uh yeah because it's it's one to be watched uh, uh brilliant thanks again uh, adrian it's been thanks a so much. pleasure enjoy the rest of your day Have a great day uh, talk to you I'm, stay I'm high and stay yeah. happy and healthy yeah indeed stay blazed <laughs> stay blazed <laughs> And there you go, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview there with Adrian Lynch. It was an absolute pleasure to, to have her on the show. And again, just to remind you, it is Enlightened Lady Talker is where you will find her on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, so just to remind you guys, if you want to support the show, support the fight for cannabis legalization in Ireland, uh, don't forget to sign up to the patreon.com forward slash Martin's World, or you can also make donations in the form of Bitcoins through a link found on martinsworld.ie. So stay blazed out there, guys, and keep her lit. Peace.